before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. You are now entering the Mortuary, the bi-weekly podcast that offers you an immersive discourse into the occult, paranormal, and conspiracies of the world. We are your hosts of horror. I'm Brock. And I'm Tanner. The Mortuary Podcast was formed out of the passion and undying curiosity for the unknown. We seek to explore, expose, embrace, and experience all the things that go bump in the night. Join us as we dive into gruesome, real-life accounts of ghosts and demons, speculate on taboo conspiracies, and take phone calls from real people with real paranormal accounts. You can learn more about us at themortuarypodcast.com, where you can also find exclusives and spooky blog posts. You can listen to The Mortuary on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and pretty much any other podcast platform. So join us bi-weekly as we enter The the Mortuary. Mortuary. Why, hello. <laughs> Mysteries. They're all around us. This Welcome. Keep going. <laughs> Perhaps it's you with Liz and Samantha. An unofficial. I'm not going to tell you which one I Mysteries am. Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. Oh, it's so unofficial, y'all. Not it, affiliated with Unsolved Mysteries in any way, shape, or form. Please no. don't sue us. Pretty sure they hate us. So they, prob- they probably do. Don't worry about it. Don't worry no, about it. That's fine. Um, how's it going? I'm all right. Uh, there were some exciting developments in the world of crime this week there sure were i'm sure everybody already knows that they caught the golden state killer it's been a big week did you watch any of the press conferences or the arraignment i did not did you i streamed them while i was not at work sure doing not work things sure uh it was exciting it was really exciting if you're a true crime nerd or even if you're not it seems like that book by michelle mcnamara kind of swept the nation it's exciting it's it's really cool it's, i mean even if you're not really that into it because you're a normal person who's <laughs> not obsessed with the murder yeah it there is something about a serial killer that's been at large for that long finally being brought to justice alive which yeah. i think is the main concern when it's been so long is has this person died without having without justice being served yeah and hopefully the families of the victims can sleep a little easier yeah knowing that he is behind bars yeah, that is a crazy case, and it is not talked about very much. It seems like the book really shed a lot of light on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I and made me so surprised that it wasn't as knew about it infamous as because the scope of his crimes are insane. How many attacks he did, and how many murders he did. The fact that he's not a Ted Bundy, as far as like you know, in our yeah. popular culture, is kind of amazing. Maybe he will be. I mean, it seems like he might be now, but yeah, now that. He's he has caught, been. and we know who he is. And mm-hmm. I had something else to say, but I, I'm not going to say it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also this week, the murderer of Kim Wall on their homemade submarine was found guilty, which is great news. Yes, that was a very that case is bananas. Strange, strange case. If you're not familiar with that, look it up. Look into it. The the BBC did a good summary of everything that was learned about the case from the trial. I can post a link to that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that he was found guilty because him claiming that she just happened to die 
on his submarine and then he dismembered her corpse for reasons <sighs> makes little sense he's clearly a sociopath it's that good case is that sad to is. me she was just trying to write an article and yeah. uh, it really breaks my heart and it's also just weird so it's also a nightmare can you imagine being no suddenly on a submarine with a psycho just being on a submarine sounds like a nightmare well, yes. much less there being someone that wants to kill you on it so Oh my goodness, poor Kim Wall. Nightmare. Uh, Bill Cosby getting found guilty. Yes, it's been a finally, week, you guys. Finally, justice is being served left and right, and I'm here for it. I could not believe that the first trial was not a guilty verdict. So thank God. Thank God, justice. Yeah, and it was only for three victims due to stupid statute of limitations things, which there should not be a statute of limitations on rape. There should not. Just in case you're wondering how I felt about that. <laughs> Write your Congress people and tell them Seriously, what you think ridiculous. of that. It's ridiculous. It's a violent crime. Yeah. There's no reason to... Uh, I'm so angry I can't even articulate myself. Big week. Big week. Do we have any other updates? I want to thank one of our amazing listeners who made or designed the shirt I'm wearing right now, which <laughs> is the Mystery Solver shirt. Yeah, You've probably seen it on our social media. Uh, it's amazing. And it's I'm really enjoying it. I bought it in purple. So good. And it's quite nice. It has Robbie Stacky on it. Purple's a good color for you. Thanks. I like I like the color. There was a lot, there's a lot of choices. You can get them in a, on a towel. You can get I a shower ordered curtain. a towel. My towel has not arrived yet. Your sticker did, though. I'm My looking at it right now. My sticker is on the laptop that we are using to record this. It's pretty cool. You, Yeah, you can get a shower curtain. All of those things that Society6 offers, pillows. You can get this really awesome mystery solver design. Of Robert, Robbie Stacky, given the peace sign that becomes the V. Of the mystery solver. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, if you're a proud mystery solver. Which you all are. Which right? everyone you is. Be I think here. all of our fans of our podcast are mystery, are solvers. mystery solvers. Sure. You can tell the world. You can brandish it on a towel or a shirt. Long sleeve, short sleeve, tank top. You could wear nothing but this mystery solver shirt. Which is what your whole wardrobe. Do. Oh, speaking of excellent apparel when it's late at night i have a bad habit of looking at ebay it's a bad habit don't start doing that because then at like two in the morning things that you do not need seem like you really need them we've all been there but last night what did i find but the the unsolved mysteries crew jacket it's amazing y'all go on our facebook page and check it it out is a black denim jacket that says Unsolved Mysteries, embroidered on the back. Mysteries is in pink. Yes, you guys. The collar is leather. You guys. I want it so bad. Someone buy that for me. Seriously. It's, I'm, it's I'm begging you. It's They're asking for $250. You can maybe get them down. You can make an offer. Sure. I really, really want it. You know, it could be a business expense. I mean, I think it is, Samantha. <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> I'll wear it for everything. I believe you that you would. (laughs) She's like, I have no doubt you would sleep in that thing. You did buy the jacket that says just die on the back, which I'm jealous of. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) My satin jacket that says die and is surrounded by like a rainbow. I'm just waiting for someone to walk up to you on the street and be like, what does that stand for? The inevitability of death (laughs) that unites all of humanity. It, It stands for die. Yeah, it stands you know, for die. People like, die. You should die. You just back away Mac slowly. Mac has convinced people are going to yell at me for wearing it. 
But not in Minnesota. Yeah, no. That's not a thing that happens here. Exactly. People will just silently judge you, which is fine. Yeah. They gonna, do that anyway. They're going to do that anyway. So. I'm, I'm cool with that. No one is that overt about it in Minnesota. No. I, I feel pretty safe. Mm-hmm. I think I'll maybe get a little side eye, but that's fine. You know what? Fine. Yeah. Was it? The, the Golden State Kinder thing made for an exciting week. It was super exciting. We actually read the book for book club, and I'm going to that after we record this podcast. It's be so like it's a, a full day of Golden State Killer discussion. A little bit. Of, I bought some flowers to celebrate. It was also National DNA Day, Which and is, he was caught because of DNA. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Yeah. Now the debate is raging regarding Ancestry.com. Yeah, that is. 23andMe DNA databases and data yeah. privacy and all that that yeah. stuff. But Understandably. I mean, it's good that he was caught. Yes. So no it's hard to argue with that. about that. Uh, do we have time to talk about mysteries? I think so. We're on episode five of season two. Uh, this one? We sure are. Is uh, fine. Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. Do we say that every time now? Season two's been a little mediocre. I don't know. Apart from that nudist colony. Yeah, that was the highlight so far. We're five episodes in, and for the most part, these episodes have been a little meh. This one's... Got some some. Uh, At least this one has four mysteries, yes. which is the sweet spot. It has five if you count the fucking orphan train uh, segment all I over was again. So sad to see that update in there. I thought we had escaped it because we're out of season one, and well, then we it did, comes back for we us. We did call that episode "Let's Never Speak of the Orphan Train Again," and then they has, threw in that cruel, is this the cruel second update. Update. I think so. For, for the orphan train, they keep saying, "Don't forget about the orphan train." And I was like, oh, I never will. It will haunt my nightmares forever. Thanks, Robert Stack. Yeah, I'm done with the orphan Nothing train. Nothing sadder mysteries. than the orphan train. Someone sent us a song that's about the orphan train, and I was like, absolutely not. not I listening. will not listen to that. <laughs> I haven't listened. I haven't either, and it's I'm a, not going to. Yeah. Because I, I cannot dwell on If you want me to continue my life <laughs> as an even slightly productive member of society. You can't I, listen to the song, songs about the orphan no train. no because i'm just gonna break down i'd be better off knowing not knowing that the orphan train even existed probably not to be, to be honest. i mean unless you're having an argument with someone one of those people that's like it used to be better in the old days and you can be like really the orphan train how about this thing they sold orphans on a train yeah it's the most depressing thing you've ever heard in your life so. i i hate i hate those people that are the, the good old days, those don't exist. No. No. The orphan, and the orphan train proves that. <laughs> if everything else, if all other like progress in society doesn't prove it, there's the orphan train. Maybe that's why they keep putting in the update. Just to remind us. Yeah. Things used to be a lot worse, y'all. Yeah. There used to be orphan trains. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. You have the first one. I have the first mystery. Um, This was a... They called this a theft, even though... Also, someone is missing. Yeah, that's the bigger mystery. And I'm, I guess I'm not so surprised that this person's workplace is more concerned with the theft than the fact that their employee is gone. They're much more concerned with the theft. Uh, but it is kind of... Capitalism is depressing. Well, yeah. Anyway, this is the case of Dale Kerstetter. Kerstetter. I think I that's think. how you pronounce it. Yes. In Bradford, Pennsylvania... He went missing September 12th, 1987. He was a security guard and maintenance man for the Corning Glassworks plant. He began his shift at 11 p.m. and was never seen again. One of his coworkers finds his, like, lunch sitting out on a table 
uneaten. The next morning. Because he, ne- yes. he worked overnights. And I don't think really anyone else was there. He was like was the night him. watchman. Yep. So the next morning, someone comes in, finds his lunch just sitting there in his pail, <laughs> uneaten. Underneath his newspaper is the, like, his maintenance ring of keys, you know. Yep. His car is in, or his truck is in the parking lot. Yeah. And Dale is nowhere to be found. Oh, and the the keys are in the ignition to his truck also. Yep. And he is just gone. Also, he left a full carton of cigarettes behind. Which his kids were like, uh, that would never happen. Which is a very funny detail, but also... Like, yeah, if someone is a serious smoker, they're not going to leave a carton of cigarettes. A full carton of cigarettes. No No way. No way. Much less, like, their lunch. Right. But the cigarettes is even more of a clue. It is. Especially (laughs) for this guy. For this guy. So thinking that Dale had maybe suffered a heart attack or had otherwise, like, fallen ill somewhere in the plant, which is, like, very vast and labyrinthy. For some reason, they bring in dogs. Before checking the security tapes. Made no sense to me. I was so puzzled by that. So anyway, they bring in dogs to like hunt down his scent. and Which like how big was this factory? That they can't even just they like look just around. Look ar- yeah. Apparently not. So the police dogs, you know, go around his usual security route. But then they also go to the place called the tank. Which I feel like they just brought up to like sound dramatic. I think so. Oh, we call that the tank. <laughs> Whatever. It's just part of the kiln for the glassworks that he, for some reason, wouldn't have been on his route. Yeah. Which also, again, makes no sense because that's where the valuable platinum pipe is. <laughs> but for some reason, that was not part of his securing the building route. Yeah. The part where the valuable stuff was. Much of this makes sense. I have a lot of questions about how <laughs> Corning Glassworks does their business. Yes. <laughs> that makes zero sense to me. Yeah. So anyway, these dogs are smelling. They're like, "What was he doing in the tank? Let's check the security tapes. The thing you think maybe we they could have done, done first. first." So they check the security tapes and then they go, "Oh shit! There's like a masked burglar on these tapes." Wearing like a black ski mask, just like you would expect a burglar to wear. Yep. And at one point is seen speaking to Dale. So the question becomes, is Dale a victim or is Dale an accomplice? Yes. And also, strangely, conveniently, there was no security camera on the valuable shit. No. It was just like in this one part. Also, it's worth pointing out that the footage you see in Unsolved Mysteries is a reenactment. It's the not security the actual security footage. Which also makes no sense to me. You're trying to catch these guys. I grant. I understand they're wearing masks, but... I don't know why they did that. And also, if you're one of the people on Unsolved.com making a lot of speculations based on the security footage, <laughs> that's not the real security footage. No! So saying like, oh, by the way he walked... Blo- no. Because that's not real. No, you could make those kinds of speculations if it was the real footage. But it's not. It's not. It's made up. <laughs> About their height or what they're wearing or how they walk. But you can't because So you it's not see real. Dale interact with the masked man. And at one point, Dale looks up at the security camera directly. And then people speculated, was he flaunting, coolly flaunting his crime, <laughs> as one of the cops said. And I was like, no. Or was he signaling? Was he was he was it a desperate cry for help? 
His children pointed out if he was really in on the crime, he knows where the security cameras are. He could have turned them off. Yes. Or covered them up. Or there was only like, based on the reenactment, one security camera. Like yeah, they could have easily avoided, avoided it. it. So it wasn't pointing towards the stuff they were stealing. So no, <laughs> wouldn't be that hard. Uh, the end of the footage, you see the masked burglar, or well, they reenacted, but the the last thing seen is the masked burglar using like a pallet lift to move something in a heavy black bag. Was that Dale's body? Were, was was it that the, the platinum pipe that was worth a quarter of a million dollars? Who knows? Who knows? It's all speculation. You do get to see Robert Stack in like a boiler room. <laughs> he seems slightly uncomfortable. He's trying to make it work. He did. He was putting on a good performance. Yeah. It was a little strange, though. Yes. You see Dale's mom, who like totally thinks he did it. Yeah. Dale's mom is like, well, he's guilty. But that means he's like a nut. She yeah. was like disappointed in him. His children were like, no. He wouldn't have left us. He wouldn't have left us. And he never has children and grandchildren. And the the arguments the police were making that it was him was that he had been demoted. He used to be a tradesman. They demoted him to be night watchman. That was like a for some reason they didn't know exactly how much a five to seven thousand dollar pay cut it's a big range but yeah substantial at least yeah that sucks yes. he wasn't happy about it uh why would he be right also he was 30 to forty thousand dollars in debt mm-hmm. so maybe someone approached him and he needed the money but his children were like you know what his children are actually well off we could have helped him yes he could have declared bankruptcy Although his one son was like, I think he ran off to Canada, and when the Statue of Limitations is up, he's going to waltz on back. Yeah, that was hilarious. Sadly, it did not happen. No, it didn't. I, I wish that had happened, <laughs> uh, that he had just like waited out the seven years. That was apparently the Statue of Limitations for whatever he would be charged with. Just come back. Uh, yeah, and then just be like, hey, everyone, sold off that platinum. Where's my cigarettes? <laughs> but <laughs> That's not what happened. That's not what happened. Um, his family, yeah, it's interesting that even within his family, there's this real range of opinions of whether or not he was involved. The daughters are like, absolutely not. His son is like, I hope he did it. Yeah. It'll be the best thing my dad ever did was steal that platinum. (laughs) And his mom is already like, tsk, tsk, tsk. The cops clearly think that he was involved. I don't see any evidence of that. Not really. He is just one guy that was reluctantly guarding this glassworks <laughs> at night. I think if people showed up to steal things, he would be like, go ahead. It seems like what he did. Yeah. Like, is he going to put his life on the line for corning glassworks? The place that After just demoted, demoted him? him? No. Probably not. No. I feel like some robber, some robbers or a robber showed up. Was like, I'm here to steal that platinum. Tell me where it is. And he was like, it's in the place we call the tank. Right? That's, that I don't guard and that, that I, isn't under That security. I don't guard that we've not bothered to secure that doesn't have a security camera. Here you go. Because they seemed very fixated on the fact that the robber like knew his way around. I think the robber could have just threatened Dale. Yeah. And Dale would have showed him. Yeah. Maybe the robber is a former employee, since it seems you don't treat your employees very well. (laughs) Also, you didn't secure your building. 
Yeah. I have very little sympathy for Gordon Glassworks. No, and they went out of business, right? Is that... I think so. It wasn't the update. I don't even care. It was under new ownership, and they no longer use Platinum. They did really want you to know they no longer use Platinum. <laughs> Please do not go rob them for their Platinum. We do not have Platinum. It's almost suspicious. Right. How adamantly they denied having Platinum. Um... I think Dale is a victim of this robbery. It seems like it. He was never seen again. It's unsolved. I I think he was just in the way of stealing some platinum. Yeah, unfortunately. There are a bunch of people on Unsolved.com that think Dale showed up in Norway dead a week later because there is a case that someone made a documentary about about this unidentified body in Norway. Found by cigarettes, Samantha. And after all, Dale's the only person in the entire world that smoked. <laughs> Is that the only reason they think that was him? It kind of looks like him. Okay. I don't know. I didn't look at the pictures, so I can't really huh. confirm how much it looks like him. I'm going to Google it right now. I don't know why he would have ended up in Norway, but um, perhaps the person stealing this is an international thief. We don't know what happened to him. That seems a little far-fetched, but it doesn't mean it didn't. Um, Dale was declared legally dead in 2014. And that's that. Well, yeah, that's Um, if anyone wants to steal some platinum for me so they can buy me that jean jacket. You know what? That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I will look the other way. (laughs) Or will I look right into the security camera, coolly flaunting your crime? That's hilarious. I can't find the picture. I'll look for it and maybe post it on Instagram if it exists. The side by side of Dale and... Dale and Unidentified dead person dead, in Norway. Yeah. How would he get to Norway? That makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think people want this to be more interesting than it is. Yeah. And people don't. I mean, the unsolved ones are the worst because. Yeah. It is terrible to not know. It's never going to be solved at no, this point. I really don't think so. And that's hard to live with. People were speculating that didn't think he was dead in Norway, that possibly they had forced him into a kiln or furnace at the plant. They would have found traces of that. Would it was they? the next day. I I would think. I don't know. Anyway. Maybe. We'll probably know. never know what happened to Dale. Uh, yeah. Sadly. Sorry, Dale. Should we talk about some ghost lights now? I mean, always. <laughs> always. So our next segment. So actually, this, like waking me up in the middle of the night. Hey, Liz, let's talk about some ghost lights. Okay. <laughs> actually, our next segment is the orphan train, but. No, it is not. <laughs> Because we're not talking about the orphan train so anymore. So mad at Unsolved Mysteries for bringing that back. So the ghost lights. So this is the unexplained. Hmm. We open with a scene of cowboys is herding it, cattle across the plane. Well, at, okay. At this point, it was unexplained. We find out later that it's totally explained. But so in this reenactment, the sun is setting. It's actually really pretty. Yeah. This opening. It's like a beautiful orange sunset. These cowboys are herding cattle across the plane. It's well shot. Um, it's not bad. I liked it. Robert Stack's voiceover says that 1883 plains of central Texas near the town of Marfa. Cattle were herded by the thousands across this arid country. Wow. I know. It's beautiful. painting a picture for you. One evening during a roundup, cowhand El- Robert Ellison noticed a strange glow off in the distance. The ghostly light was a few miles away and hovered just a few feet off the ground. They dismissed it as Native American campfires. Sure. But Robert Ellison's daughter, Julia, who is interviewed for the show, tells us that they just kept seeing these lights every night. 
They saw them the next night, the next week, the next month. This apparently went on for at least a year, according to Julia. And then we skip ahead in time. We see a photo of a woman named Hallie Stillwell, and the year was 1916. Hallie allegedly witnessed the same phenomenon. She was interviewed for the show, and she says that when she was a young girl, she was traveling with her family through Texas when they saw the strange lights off in the distance. Her family pulled their car over and got out to marvel at the lights. Hallie says that it couldn't have been car lights, but she doesn't really say why it couldn't have been car lights, so that's It couldn't have been. Not clear. Because it's ghost lights. Sure. So she says that at first they also dismissed the lights as campfires, but the lights didn't act like campfires, and we see a terrible reenactment that's clearly two dudes with flashlights. What do you think of a theory that Robert Stack puts forth that it is... <laughs> Jack rabbits with glowworms attached to their tails. I tried to find out who came up with that theory, but there's nothing on Google, so I kind of think they made it up. You mean that perfect? That's the theory I'm going with. That it was jack rabbits with glowworms attached to their tails. They were glowing so brightly you could, you could see, see them, them from miles a distance, away. and that didn't occur anywhere else. He also said that one of the theories was Saint Elmo's fire, which is like this weird like weather phenomenon. With, like, plasma uh, or something? No, shit? it's that movie where Rob Lowe <laughs> plays the saxophone badly. Yes, it's also that. <laughs> it's also Which, that. Oh, man, if you don't know what I'm talking about, find a gif of Rob Lowe playing this, playing, <laughs> pretending to play the saxophone while wearing a tank top with bats on it. It's something. So Wikipedia says that St. Elmo's fire is a weather phenomenon in which luminous plasma is created by a coronal discharge from a sharp or pointed object in a strong electric field in the atmosphere such as those generated by thunderstorms or created by a volcanic eruption i don't, I don't even understand i don't even that. know what that means i don't even understand that so we'll go with jackrabbits with glowworms attached to their tails i i loved when robert stack said that because he was like trying not to smile <laughs> yeah it's like who came up with this robert stack you can you? tell like, right before they shot that, he was like, really? This is what I have to say? <laughs> really? All right. I don't think it was that, but, you know, let's not dismiss anything offhand. So their family called the mysterious lights ghost lights, and it seems like that sort of caught on. Whoa. In 1943, the mysterious lights were seen again near Marfa's army base. Fritz Call, who is listed only as a witness to the ghost lights, says that when he saw them, there was no vehicle traffic because fuel was rationed at the time. Well, there you go. They're going out of their way to make you know this could not have been headlights of cars. So after seeing the lights, Fritz and his <laughs> okay. ar- army buddies ask around the village about them. To the villagers, the lights were a common occurrence and they didn't think much about it. And then they just like show this montage of all these people that are like, yeah, I saw the lights. Right. When I saw them, this happened. Oh, I've seen them several times. Yeah. And there's some great fashions in that moment. Oh, yes. Including a woman wearing a puffy paint shirt with of cactuses. <laughs> which, if you are too young to know a time when you would unironically and unabashedly <laughs> wear a shirt with a puffy paint design on it, you can never know what that was like. We thought puffy that looked, paint was we the shit. That looked good. I puff painted everything I could get my hands on. Every it's embarrassing how much photo paint. of me and a child is me in front of something like beautiful and like historic and ornate, and I'm standing there in a puff paint cat shirt. 
And I'm like, damn, I look good in this shirt. Those were the days. <sighs> Those were the days. No. Can you give me a photo title. of one of those photos for oh Instagram? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> Just, just asking for a friend. Uh, so Robert Stack. Oh, this is yeah. This is where Robert Stack comes out in a very nice black peacoat to tell us that oh, explanations yeah. for the Marfa lights range from you ball lightning, a, a felt, a felt trench like jacket. <laughs> I remembered the word peacoat this time, you guys. Aren't you proud of me? Ball lightning, Saint Elmo's fire. Or jackrabbits with glowworms attached to their tails. And I just put a question mark in parentheses after That's that. That's like the only note that I took on this whole segment was... It's better than your next mystery in which the only note I took was, damn, that's a fine booty. Wow. <laughs> Guys, the next mystery is horrific. And that's all Samantha wrote down. She's a terrible person. Listen, I am. But it was a nice booty. You oh. know what I'm talking about. No. Who's the guy in the reenactment? I have the actual victim. I have although he was playing a victim. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my god. Ah! Also (laughs) No Somehow in my defense That's not in my notes at all. In my defense, I came home after I I walked to dinner on Friday night, had one or two alcoholic beverages, and then came home and watched this episode. All right, fair. In my defense. If it can be defended. Your defense is accepted. It's no one is gonna appreciate how funny that is because it's really we'll get to it, a horrific, terrifying crime. It actually really is. Um, anyway, I've got a screenshot of the booty. I'll, sh- I'll show it to you. <laughs> oh, God. I was not expecting that at all. Okay. Samantha's I off lost, the rails, everyone. I lost my place. Ghost uh, lights, blah, blah, blah. Jackrabbits, yeah. blah, blah, blah. There's another guy who, um, I, okay. I don't even know who this guy is. He was wearing some hat. That's all I <laughs> Samantha walked his unsolved mysteries after one or two drinks. Hey, he was wearing some hat. You know what? It's like me every single time, but yeah, there's a drop in professionalism from Samantha bringing her down to my level. I'm trying to follow my notes a little bit, and it's not great. So this guy gets together with his friends and brothers, and they decide that the only reason no one has ever seen these lights up close is because they use cars or motor vehicles. To, like, chase the lights down. So they go out into the desert one night. They walk for hours in hopes of getting close to the lights, but they can never get close. He describes it as a mirage. The lights just keep getting further and further away. Okay. Okay. So Unsolved Mysteries is on the case. And in July 1989, Unsolved Mysteries asks three scientists from the local observatory and university to conduct a formal investigation. There was a chemist, a geologist, and an astrologist. Astronomer or astrologist? I wrote down astrologist. (laughs) I'm guessing an astronomer. I think he was probably an astronomer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not an astrologist. Maybe both. Maybe both would be helpful. Maybe that's, you know what? Listen, maybe it was. So with them were 11 other technicians and observers. Because maybe ex- one of them was an astrologist, perhaps. <laughs> so, <laughs> because there's a highway that runs through the mountains right where people see the lights. Oh, huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Weird, right? So, marker lights were placed on 
each end of the stretch of highway they were observing. The lights would go off when cars pass. This told the observers when vehicles were passing through so that they would not misidentify headlights as ghost lights. Ooh. Yeah. So they see a lot of headlights, which is the next note I wrote down. And then around 11 p.m., an unknown light appears. We see it on the camera. It passes the marker lights, and an observer near the road confirms that no cars were passing through at the time. Eventually, the light fades to nothing. Then it reappears for a brief time before again disappearing. The scientists all agree that people are seeing a light phenomenon that is more than just headlights, but they were not certain what it was. They speculate that the lights might be reflected starlight, another one posits that they could be caused by gas being released during small earthquakes. I don't sure. Know. Here's the thing, you guys. People have done studies on this, and they're just fucking headlights. Yeah. I'm sorry the world isn't as magical and interesting as you want it to be. I was telling Liz before we were recording that Travis and I watched some show where the Marfa lights were featured. It wasn't like a documentary on the Marfa lights, but it was included in, I don't know, some random thing we found on Netflix a while ago. And they sent... Like a bunch of people, and I tried to find it on the internet. I think it's these physics students from the University of Texas at Dallas. Um, They spent days investigating and recording lights observed southwest of the view park using traffic volume monitoring equipment, video cameras, binoculars, and I don't know, chase cars. Basically, whenever there's a car driving on this highway, the lights show up. So the headlights are being reflected off something in the environment that makes them appear to these people if you're standing in Marfa. Right. Which there's debate about this because there was those cowboys before cars existed that claimed to have seen the lights. But why wasn't... But I don't see any proof that that wasn't fires. Just because it showed up on a regular basis that means it can't be campfires yeah nothing about that story said that the cowboys like rode their horses towards the lights to investigate no they seemed fine with that just being at a distance yeah so this group so according to howstuffworks.com a group of scientists published a study in the journal of atmospheric and solar terrestrial physics which one of my favorite journals serious yes it does after coming to a simpler conclusion, they determined that the lights are actually car headlights on nearby, nearby Highway 67 that appear warped as they travel across 20 miles of flatland. How Stuff Works mentioned the debate regarding Rancher Ellison, who claimed to have seen the lights in the 1880s, which was long before automobiles began carving its path across America. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And, Anyway, this story was only handed down by word of mouth. It was never recorded. So it could have easily changed over the years or been exaggerated. Like, we don't actually really know what they saw. So, yeah, it's just headlights, you guys. There's also articles. Apparently, um, there's, like, some development that's going in in that area that might, like, change where the highway is going. People are, like, worried that it's going to, like, impact tourism because if the lights go away, people aren't going to, like, come to Marfa to see the lights. I don't know if that's actually happened. I didn't read a lot into it. Probably because I was half drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of... So I take care of a five-year-old. And the other day, he was asking me all these questions like, Liz, are vampires real? (laughs) Did they used to be real in the old days? In the old days. But they died out? (laughs) Are zombies real? 
You told me that he was very disappointed to find out that the zombies weren't real. Yes. He was like, are any spooky things real? <laughs> and it's it's makes me sad that the world is not the magical place that he wants it to be. That is sad. I think that's the same thing with the Marfasa ghost lights. Like, yeah. we just want it to be more interesting than it is. Yeah, we want it to be ghosts. Or something. Or aliens or something. something. But it's just They're stupid just headlights, headlights. And it's very disappointing. And the whole world isn't anti-climax <laughs> yeah sorry right? about it sorry about it vampires did not used to exist in the old days and then died out no no it'd be really cool if they did though yeah you have to admit yeah. i agree with them there or maybe they evolved no sorry <laughs> they evolved <laughs> did he really ask you if they had evolved sometimes yeah that's a very intellectual question <laughs> well i think he sort of wants it to be like dinosaurs okay you know where they evolved into chickens or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Now vampires. What would vampire bats? Would they? I be? guess they used to be or humans. Yeah. Maybe we are all descended Regular. from vampires. Maybe. But the sad truth Proof is that we're not all descended from vampires, Liz. I mean, I guess I can't. <laughs> the only spooky thing I could come up with that was real is skeletons, which are spooky, but they don't move around. Oh. So it's a little bit boring, really. <laughs> he was unimpressed with that. Yeah, I was like spiders. Bats? Sorry. You you didn't tell him that you were a witch? No, I did not. (laughs) I've already tried to convince him that I'm part lizard, so (laughs) that's a weird running joke that I have. How successful have you been on that one? Well, okay. If you write down the word lizard and then underline the word Liz (laughs) in it, that kind of blew his mind. So it almost slightly worked. Almost. Did you kill the boys in the tracks? Let's I mean, just where, where was I that night? Yeah. Okay. Should we talk about the next one? Which, yeah. Where you're just booty obsessed. Let me show you. He's got no, a nice booty. No, I don't want to, because I have to talk about a serious thing right now. I'm going to show you anyway. No. I put it on our Instagram story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to hear about people's horrible demise while Samantha just lost after this reenactment we have to find some positive uplifting moments in mysteries like that it's like when all the dogs died we had to remind ourselves that there were cute dogs yeah these people died a horrible death but someone has a nice booty nice ass (laughs) all right well anyway take it away (laughs) this is the unexplained death of jay cook and tanya von kloyenberg Borg. Sure. Cloyne Borg. Okay. Um, yeah, this is this is terrible. Samantha's right to try to lighten this up because it is an absolute fucking nightmare. It is, actually. It's really horrible. Well, this is right. So, uh, Jay was 20 years old. His girlfriend, Tanya, was 17. Um, they were from Canada. And they were traveling to Seattle, Washington, I mean, yeah, just don't come to this country. <laughs> right? Is there Is that the moral of the story? I think it is. Yeah. If you're in Canada, just stay bless there. you. Just stay, stay there. there. You're better off. So they were buying something for Jay's father, but sort of using it as a romantic getaway for the couple. They've been together for like six months. They were very much in love. It was sweet. They're both sets of parents seem to be very happy with the relationship. It seemed good for both of them. Okay. So on November 18th, 1987, they left Victoria and they took a 4 p.m. port ferry to Port 
Angeles, Washington. They drove Jay's father's van down Highway 101 to Hoodsport and arrived there at 8 p.m. And they drove through Allen. So it was believed that they boarded another car ferry and they went to downtown Seattle. However, they're never seen alive again. Um, When they didn't get home the next day or call, their parents were understandably concerned. And on November 20th, two days later, the couple was reported missing. Unfortunately, by November 24th, Tanya is found raped and shot to death in Washington. Her body is bound with plastic ties. She's partly undressed. Um, When Tanya's family is told about the death, they're told to prepare themselves for the fact that Jay may be the killer because his body wasn't found at the same location. Yeah. But it's not him. Um, Sadly for Jay's family, he is also dead. They found the van the next day after finding Tanya's body. It had blood inside. It had plastic zip ties and surgical gloves. Um, Searching the area two blocks away, which I found kind of impressive, under like a tavern deck kind of thing, like the entrance to the restaurant, they found Tanya's driver's license, half a box of ammunition, and zip, more zip ties, and um, a box of plastic gloves. Um, so they did a good search for that, to find that evidence. They did. Uh, I mean, it just keeps being sad, so yeah. hang in it there. It doesn't get much better, actually. <sighs> no. Um, by So two days later, on November 26th, Jay's body is found. He was beaten and strangled to death. His body was also bound with zip ties. He was found underneath a bridge near Monroe. I think that was on Thanksgiving Day that they found him. Ugh, it was bad. It was bad. Poor family. They they do a lot of speculating. Yes. About what could have happened. I don't. I didn't see much evidence to support any of their theories. For some reason, and this was information that they were like withholding. They said that the manner in which Jay was beaten suggested that the culprit was familiar with the prison system. I have no idea what that means. No clue whatsoever. And I couldn't find anyone that did. No. I, it makes no sense. I don't know. How are there different ways of beating people? I don't know. It doesn't I don't understand. Was he beaten with a phone book? I, I don't understand <laughs> what that means. They, so what they speculate is that while on the ferry, someone approached Jay and Tanya and asked for a ride. Which could have happened. Which could have happened, but they don't know that that happened. Who, who knows? That someone was like... They also could have picked up a hitchhiker. Or, who? yeah, I don't know. They were carjacked. Or yeah. they were walking to the car and someone leapt out. I mean, there is two of them, but even so... If someone has a gun... Yeah. We've talked about this before. It's easy to yeah. get people to cooperate. And a lot of times you probably would cooperate. Oh, absolutely. Because you would think, okay, if I just go along with this person, maybe they're just going to rob me and leave. Absolutely. And that would be a totally appropriate reaction. Yeah. Um, so they, they have a reenactment of them being on the ferry and someone approaching them and saying like, hey, I, you know, I don't live far. Could I? But they have no idea if that's what happened. No. They try to kind of make them sound like they were super gullible. 
Yeah. And that they would have fallen for someone. But I don't know that that's really fair because we have no idea what happened. They yeah. were, I mean, these are young people, so maybe they would be more gullible than and other maybe people. maybe that is what happened, but they don't know, and it doesn't seem fair to... Is it just that Canadians are not prepared for the United the brutal States? brutal streets yes. of Seattle, Washington? Maybe that's <laughs> it. I... I don't know. I don't know either. This is a freak. They were grasping at straws. Really, which you really want to. terrible, horrible crime. This isn't like a common. I don't no. know. It almost made me think that this is like they some sort of serial killer or something. Oh, absolutely. I think so. So okay. So here's what else happens with the case. This part is also extremely horrific and kind of makes me want to cry or die. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. So um, after, so his body is found on Thanksgiving. By the Christmas holidays, the families are receiving taunting, disturbing greeting cards, supposedly for the ki- from the killers. Over three years, they received nineteen cards between the two families that would often use the phrase "Hallelujah, bloody Jesus." And say, I am the happiest person on earth. I am currently on a Michael Jackson tour of the world. Your son was killed in the following way. So, so terrible and so weird. It's, I mean, the idea that someone would kill your children and then continue to taunt you about it just is so, so awful. But what it turns out is they did find the person that wrote those letters and it's not the murderer. Yeah. It is, uh, it was a mentally disturbed individual in Canada who had read about the murders in the paper and somehow found the family's addresses and just was sending them these bizarre letters because they were not well. Yeah. And they were tracked down in a public library in Canada and arrested. But after speaking with them, they're, they're not the killer, uh... Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just like an, it's an added horrible element. Yes. Of this already terrible situation, just made it harder for the family to move on. Yeah. And it's really, what awful. a nightmare! What a nightmare! It's really awful. The most recent thing about the case is that they've this case is not closed. It is cold. It happened a long time ago, but they are still following up leads. They pointed to the fact that they found the person that wrote the letters as evidence that they could still find the killers. They've recently released these, like, composite sketches based on the killer's DNA. What? Yes. What? Which that... they, like, have, since they have the DNA. This is some bogus forensic file it shit. It doesn't sound super legit to me. But they have some DNA from one of the gloves, uh, and they, like, use that to guess what he would look like based on his dna markers and they okay re- they released those sketches uh, uh, and they ha- offer three different ages depending on how old he would have been at the time of the crime okay so that was like a very recent development in the case um they do <laughs> robert stack points out that jay's waist length black ski jacket with red piping is missing as well as tanya's olive drab day pack <laughs> And her camera, they give the serial number. Her lens was, like, found at a pawn shop eventually, but that lead didn't lead anywhere. Mm. Um, I mean, knowing that they, what we know about what's happened this week with DNA, maybe someday. Yeah, it's in the system. It hasn't had any matches yet. If, the, if they're right and 
the person had been in prison before. They probably were in prison before people, like we were before tracking DNA. DNA. Here's the, the sketch. I'm going to show Samantha the possible based on his DNA. It seems so skeptical to me, but I mean, what do I know, I guess? I mean, I guess. I, I mean, I'm glad they found the letter writer. Uh, I realized that person wasn't well. The statute of limitations for harassment had already passed oh. by the time they found them also. so As long as they were able to stop the person. Yeah, I think, writing he, more I think he had already stopped and was remorseful and had like gotten some help since then. And, okay, well, I guess that's good. But it is I mean, just a, like, ugh. It's a really awful element. Other than that one actor had a nice ass. Yeah, you can see some which dad, some a nice ass and some dad jeans. Some if that's how, what you're into. I mean, somehow I didn't notice this. Well, you were probably focused on how horrible the entire thing. Yeah, was. I was. I was about to like. Weep. Meanwhile, I was just like enjoying the, the reenactments. Um, Otherwise, the reenactments weren't. I mean, how could you make them any? No, better, but no. I mean, they're not as terrifying as some of the reenactments we've seen because we don't see the attack. It's not like the True. Audrey Moat case where she's like running off in her slip. Into, into the, the swamp, swamps. Um, which will haunt me for the rest of my days. Oh, so, okay. Speaking of serial killers, they two serial quest- killers have been questioned in relation to this case, oh, I should say, okay. which is Robert Yates and Charles Sinclair, because both of them were active in the Seattle area in 1987. However, DNA evidence has cleared them of any involvement. Okay. But I'm guessing it is... Some sort of. Some sort of serial killer based on the zip ties and just... Very premeditated. Seems very organized, and the fact that they haven't been caught and no one's confessed. This is not someone's only crime. No, and what I've learned also from reading Michelle McNamara's book is that, like, it takes a lot to attack a couple. Yeah. You know, where there's two against one. Um, It has to be someone who's a little more experienced and a little more ballsy. Right. You know, a crime of opportunity. You would lead up to that. Yeah. yeah, You're not just going to suddenly start attacking couples. It's very unfortunate. So stay in Canada if you're already there. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Uh, We have one more mystery. This has my MVM in it. It has my MVM in it. There weren't a lot of mustaches in this episode. So we probably picked the same guy. Mustache bear. Yes. So this is about Salvatore Caruna. Uh Caruana. Who is, who I think it is. It rhymes with marijuana. Oh, okay. Yes. Is a career criminal wanted for smuggling narcotics and connections to organized crime. He was first arrested in 1954 for armed robbery and possession of firearms, but later moved to narcotics as a mob soldier in New England in the 1970s. What is a mob soldier? I'm reading up the Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> wiki. <laughs> I, I don't... I mean, I just... A member of the mob, I'm assuming. Sure. In 1979, one distributor brought, bought $4 million from Caruana. He was the supervisor at the operations. Arrived... Oh, my God. This is the worst Unsolved Mysteries wiki ever. <laughs> so, you guys, I did not take notes on this one because I was just too tired. Uh, she was sitting around I was thinking about that booty. Sleep. I was getting sleepy. Uh, so, this is off the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, and I'm going to do my best. So he arrived at the place where the marijuana was stored, weighed it exactly, and made sure everything was correct before smuggling. After being arrested on November 27th... That was a terrible sentence. 
This whole thing is awful. On November 27th, 1983, he was arrested for possession of $40 million worth of marijuana, along with smuggling and drug trafficking. Caruana faced a life sentence. However, he paid his own $500,000 bail and vanished on April 2nd, 1984, two days before his trial was set to begin. In 1985, a multi-state task force was established by the Drug Administration uh, and Oh my god, you guys. And if I had known it was this bad, I would have typed it out myself. They determined that smuggling was only a facade for a much larger operation of (gasps) money laundering. Oh my goodness. This case is really boring, which is another reason why I didn't really take any notes on it. On February 6th, 1987, his home was raided in Peabody, Massachusetts. Outside, there were several security cameras and an advanced home security system. Inside, they found several hidden passageways and several weapons. I'm sad I don't have any hidden passageways. No, I wish we had more money. We're building a house right now, and listen, if I could afford hidden passageways, <sighs> you bet we'd have them. But I can't. It's very sad. <laughs> that is very sad. <laughs> it's a tragedy, really. It is. They were able to trace him to a condo in East Hampton. But when the FBI arrived, he again vanished. This is a slippery guy, you guys. They learned he used several computer programs to connect his they partners were in the operation. so impressed that he knew how to use a computer. Yeah. What did they call it? Online bulletin boards, I yes. think. I just wrote down the phrase computer technology. I also really liked the kind of like scary reenactment they tried to do with this computer where it kind of like slowly panned around his shoulder to reveal that he was typing on a computer he was on the internet he used it to launder money and also send secret messages to his wife that they couldn't trace because (laughs) they would delete them and i don't know i guess you could actually there was a time where you could actually delete things on a computer and they would be gone gone forever so then on may 23rd 1987 in Groton, Connecticut, FBI and narcotics agents tracked him to a local motel, but he vanished before they arrived. In the room, they found that he had a number of automatic weapons. A briefcase full of money. Yes. (laughs) They first thought that he had just left minutes earlier, but then they found spoiled food and newspapers that suggested that he had been missing from the area for several weeks his van keys wallet and camera case they couldn't notice that immediately they're like wait a second this food is all spoiled i, I was they like would smell it that's what i thought it's weird i don't know that they're too bright there was a submachine gun and a camera case oh. that was something else i wrote down he was always known to carry a camera case and people suspected there was an uzi in it <laughs> And I was like, that is a man of mystery that I approve of. Also, big fucking camera case, right? Right. Is it, oh, that's what I carry my Uzi in. <laughs> you okay. know. We carry our Uzis in our cackling has to top tope. Well, of course. As everyone should. Don't you? No, don't. Actually, do not do that. <laughs> a month later, the van was found at a police impound lot. It had previously been found abandoned at a Connecticut truck stop. Investigators determined that the van had been wiped clean. Based on evidence, the FBI believed that Caruana might have been murdered by the mob, but the fact that there was no body suggested that he could still be alive and that he could potentially have staged his own disappearance. Uh huh. Possibly he could have faked his own death. Uh-huh. So they give his his deeds. He's six foot tall, 180 pounds, has brown eyes and black hair. 
He should be considered armed and extremely dangerous. He also goes by the alias. Oh, a guy that carries an Uzi around with him. Yeah, he probably is armed. Yeah, the guy. He also goes by the <laughs> aliases John Michael Hurley, Vincent Spirito, Face, and I, Mickey. Yes. Face. face. How did he get that nickname? Just Face. Just literally Face. That's the worst nickname ever. It's also look at kind of badass. But yeah, he doesn't deserve the nickname Face. Brows, maybe. <laughs> he does have caterpillar brows. I would give him the alias Brows. These and then are, these are Instagram worthy brows these days. But. Well, they're, they could use a little more shape. Well, yeah. So I had two mustaches in this episode. They okay, both belong to DEA agents. Yes. I think I know who you're talking I about. I sketched two of them. So one of them I'm calling the Pizza Hut <laughs> because it looks a lot like the Pizza Hut logo. And then there was another bushier one that I would refer to as the Shrub. Do you have their names? I took some No, they're sh- just DEA agents. I don't care what their names are. Is this the Shrub? Yeah, that's the Shrub. So he, he didn't have a name the entire thing. I don't know no. if they were like hiding his identity but it's very unruly. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's got several peaks and valleys. It could use some maintenance. And then the other one who did have a name, uh, Detective Robert Gebo. Was oh, this guy? No, that was not the Pizza okay, Hut. Okay, I didn't snap a, a picture of the Pizza <laughs> Hut. Did, can I see your sketch of the Pizza Hut? Yeah, it's like this. <laughs> I missed that one somehow. It does look like the Pizza Hut logo. It's though. also brunette. Okay. These are both. Was that a very thin mustache? I mean, it's kind of wispy. It's thinner than the shrub. There was a guy who, but had it's like not a like wispy. John Waters wispy. No, but there was a guy who had kind of like a thin, maybe thin mustache. Not thin in shape, but like, oh, it wasn't thick and bushy. Maybe I'm not now. I'm not. I'm not sure. remembering them. Though. We'll get. You were too drunk. I was. Check out. Our, I was too drunk <laughs> off of like two ciders or whatever the fuck I had for dinner on Friday night. <laughs> In my defense, I drank them on an empty stomach, and I'm a lightweight, which is anyone surprised? No. <laughs> okay, so that episode is so off the rails. I know it's you guys. I'm sorry. So uh, there's some extra notes here. In October 1990, the remains of three men were found buried underneath a garage oh. in Hamden, oh. Connecticut. One body was positively identified as Theodore Burns, who I don't remember who that was. Someone in the mob. The other two were never identified. However, some sources claim that Caruana was one of the other victims. Burns was allegedly having an affair with Caruana's wife after Caruana went on the run in 1984. According to a mob associate, Jack Johns, he, being Caruana... William Garasso and two other mob associates murdered Burns and buried him under the garage in 1986. Before his death in 1989, Garasso told Johns that he had Caruana killed and that Caruana's body was also buried under the same garage. However, it is unknown if the remains found under the garage were ever identified as Caruana. He is still listed as a wanted fugitive, so they must not have been. But it kind of seems like... I don't know. He could have escaped, but it also seems like he could have been killed by the mob. I don't know. Also, I just didn't it's care really, that yeah, much. It's really boring. So this last mystery. I was kind of like, just let blah. the guy sell all that pot. Who cares? Yeah. What? Also, his he sold marijuana, and his name rhymed with marijuana. Coincidence? Yeah. I think not. This makes me worry a little bit that there's someone buried under my garage. <sighs> I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm gonna worry about that now. Um, should we rate this episode? I guess. Whatever. <laughs> Mysteriousness. Pretty mysterious. Not the ghost lights. But we have I mean, several the ghost lights, unsolved cases here. The ghost lights would have been mysterious if you had only watched this episode. 
Because okay, at the end of true. it, the three scientists. So this is very mysterious. Didn't really have any. We answer. have missing Dale. We have unsolved gruesome murders, and we have whatever the hell happened to this guy. Plus yes. spooky lights. Spooky lights. So it was so thumbs way up. Mysterious. I say. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up for mysteriousness. Reenactments. We're fine. I don't know. I mean, you got to see a butt you were in now, so there. I think you should say thumbs up, and I'm going to say sideways. I did like like the butt. I also liked um, the cowboy reenactments. Oh, yeah, that's those, true. They were really pretty. I thought they were well done in the first one. So, yeah, I'm a thumbs up. Um, fashion. Oh, thumbs up. Thumbs I up. wrote down fashion's explanation point multiple times. <laughs> uh, all the witnesses to the ghost lights. Those are some great. real fashions. Um, that was some Texas real people fashion. Yeah. Also, um, Dale's family. You got to see... A, an array of fashions from them, really, mm-hmm. um, as they debated whether or not their father was a, a thief or not. Oh, yeah. I would give that oh, a thumbs, thumbs up. up. Thumbs up. Robert Stack's outfits? Meh. Yeah, not that interesting. Thumbs down. Uh, out of a possible five Robert Stacks, what would you say? Three? Yeah, I'd say a three. I'm kind of interested in this horrific murder case and the letters. The letters is so creepy. There have to be more theories about about who could have murdered yeah. us. What's, it's disturbing how many serial killers were in the area at that time. Yeah. Um, Wasn't he? Yeah. Seattle. Lots of serial killers in that area. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good case. I, I wish Dale's family knew what happened to him, but... I know. I'm guessing he didn't steal that platinum. I don't think he did. I don't think so. There's Why would no, he leave his there's, truck? Actually, there's no evidence that he did. cigarettes. Even if he lunch. bought... Even if he stole the platinum because he was in debt it's not like he paid off his debts no so it doesn't make any sense it makes no sense would he really want to leave his children and his grandchildren and for what yeah i don't think he was involved me neither i think he's a victim somewhere possibly under someone's garage possibly sorry dale uh, yeah three out of five robert stacks for that one that's it yeah that's it for this this episode i'm hoping they start to get a little bit more interesting because uh this one was not super great. We got some history in our next one. Yes, we're going to have our resident history nerd, Rochelle, come because we cannot be trusted to talk about Herman Hess. No. And also, we had her on to talk about Alcatraz. Yeah. Assuming that she was interested in Alcatraz. She was And not. she was too nice to tell us that she wasn't. <laughs> so she came on the show. She was like, and, oh, I actually uh, don't care about this at all. Had to talk about Alcatraz. So we told her she could pick something else. And she picked episode six of this season. So yeah. next week... We'll have help, so it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. That... I promise I'll be sober when I watch that one. I mean, maybe don't be. Maybe. Maybe this is what the show needs. We could be drunk while we're recording. Be like That's drunk like history style. every other show. <laughs> I realize we act <laughs> drunk, but we are totally we are, sober. No, we're just unprofessional. Yeah, we but could... But we're stone cold sober. Let's make up a picture of mimosas for next week. Okay. Because we're going to watch the parade next week, too. Yes, we'll be celebrating the May Day Parade here in the Powderhorn neighborhood, uh, which is always a really good time. If you're not from Minneapolis, it's I'm cool. looking forward quite to an it. event. I love a parade. Um, Yeah, I don't know. So we'll get day drunk and then talk about Herman Hess. Sure. Who wouldn't do that? <laughs> oh, everyone? Normal, that's a normal thing Every to do. normal person? Well, my recommendation will prove just how normal I am. Oh, great. So despite the fact that the Golden State Killer was caught, this wasn't really a great week for me. Pretty lackluster week. Sure. So I was like, ugh, 
I don't really have like I don't have anything in pop culture to recommend. Yep. I don't have another Drag Race Thailand that got me through this week. <laughs> so I had to think back to the past. Okay. What's something that our listeners need to know about? And that's when I remembered the Funeral Museum in Houston. Ooh. Which is a super cool place. So I once, this was years ago, went to Houston to visit some friends. Hello, Josette and Justin. <laughs> and despite being in Houston for like a little bit over a day. <laughs> you somehow found a death related yeah, I, I, thing to do. Apparently Houston has a really nice zoo. Wouldn't know. I've, I've heard good things about the zoo. I went to the funeral museum and I saw later saw Howard Hughes's grave. That's how I spent my time there. Uh, I highly, highly recommend the funeral museum. It is a, a strange, interesting place. It has tons of historic hearses, Ooh. including like horse-drawn carriage hearses. They're beautiful. Wow. They have a section on how the popes are buried, which is in a series of coffins, one of which is welded shut. Oh. So don't worry about zombie popes, guys. <laughs> Those popes are not getting out of so there. I was so worried about zombie popes. That would make a great movie. Zombie popes? Zombie popes. I would watch the hell out of that. Uh, there's a whole section on like Victorian warning rituals. Which are so fascinating. Yes. There's really cool stuff, like a quilt that's made out of the ribbons that came with funeral flowers. Oh. Which are ribbons today. Not nearly nice enough to do that, but back in the day, man. Back in the day when people showed respect for the dead. (laughs) Good. Good You can make a quilt out of the ribbons. Yes. Um, Who collected all those ribbons? I think this was something they did as they had to just sit in their house mourning, you know? All the people that died. Yeah. It was a surprisingly colorful quilt. Oh. Um... I mean, it's been a while since I've been there, so I don't know that all these things are still there, but they had a game where you could, like, guess celebrity epithets from graves. They had a pretty hilarious gift shop. They had an internal flame that wasn't lit. Oh. There's just sort of things (laughs) there that were really random. Like, there was a giant picture of the Boris Karloff Frankenstein monster with no, absolutely no... What does that have to do with funerals? Yeah. I was like, why is that there? Just because it's cool? Okay. Sure. Uh, I was really, yeah, I had a great time. I highly, highly recommend it. Nice. Well, if you're in Texas to see the Marfa lights and those that don't excite you, swing by the funeral I feel like people end up in Houston for work. Sure. So if you're ever just there and you're like, what am I going to do while I'm here? Oh, right. I'm going to go see a three-person coffin Oh. that they had for a family that was planning to commit group suicide. Ooh. But then they didn't end up using it. Okay. So if you're there with two friends, you can get your picture taken in front of a three-person coffin. <laughs> I thought you were going to say That's... inside the three-person no. coffin. That would be cool. You can't touch it. It's a museum. Okay. Well, whatever. I recommend the funeral museum over, I'm going to say, the Museum of Death. Oh, okay. Which is, I've been to the one in LA. There's also one in New Orleans now. Uh that's an interesting experience. <laughs> when I went in, for some reason it came up that I was from Illinois, and the owner was like, oh, good thing I'm not wearing my Gacy clown costume today. And I was like, ha, ha. Oh. What? That wasn't a joke. He often wears a replica Gacy clown costume. Okay. While working Add that the to desk. the list of places I will never be. Uh, they do have a conjoined twin, like, turtle or tortoise. That's pretty cool. That's alive? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I once saw an albino conjoined 
tortoise twin. Where? It was at a zoo. Oh, but I'm not. Whoa. I'm not sure which one. But that's just in the gift shop. I recommend just stopping by and going to the gift shop. So the thing is, you might know I'm a little bit morbid and a little bit off, what? maybe. You wait. The Museum what? of Death. Are you? I'm gonna officially say is too much for me. Wow, that is saying something. I mean, perhaps the fact that that guy dresses up like okay, Casey that's just creepy. is a yeah. Well, so the museum has artwork by serial killers. If you wanted to see some of Casey's paintings, okay, it does have a section on funerals, which I thought was pretty cool. Has a section on public executions. Okay. Probably my favorite thing that they have, and maybe it's worth going to see just for this, is a quilt made by the Manson family. Yes. Well, it is calico swastikas. Oh, God. Because <laughs> <sighs> they, they were the Manson family. Well, yeah. But the th- my... There's there is tons of cool stuff there. What was too dark about it for you? Uh, there's a lot of photos, and they are just mixed in with other exhibit objects. So you cannot really avoid autopsy photos, okay. crime scene photos, and also photos taken by murderers of them gloating with body parts. Okay, that I can't do. I, I was with you for a second. I'm like, autopsy photos, I like it. Crime scene photos, I like it a little less, but I could handle it. That can't handle. And it's just I can't do that everywhere. One. Really? And yeah, it, I couldn't do it that. made me kind of sick. Yeah, that, and that one. I ended up just speeding through the end of the museum. There is like when you go in, they give you like a little warning, like this contains graphic content, like some people have fainted, blah blah blah. And I was like, ha ha ha, like I can deal with this. I came there wearing a dress covered in bones and like a skeleton necklace, right? I was like, this place is made for me, right? Yeah, I don't need to worry about this at all, blah it's... blah blah. And then I was like, oh, I can never unsee that. I understand it's the museum of death. But it's it would be nice if they put that all together and it was an area you could skip. Yeah, I I honestly I think it's kind of disrespectful. Yeah, I'm not, that's not a moral judgment on the people that put the museum together. That's me saying it's too much for me. So yeah, that's my I would prefer going and seeing like cool old hearses. Yeah, than seeing someone holding up a severed head and smiling. Oh. God, yeah. You have to admit, and then if I was the family member of a victim, and it's I knew that a photo like that brutal. was in a museum for people yeah. to go look at, I would not, that's not okay. That's it's, not, to me, really the definition of bad taste. Yeah. Um, That's not okay. So just something to be aware of if if you're considering going. But, but the, maybe go to the funeral museum instead. You might see some stuff that you can't, <laughs> you can't unsee. And it's burned into your brain. Yeah. All right. Anyway, check okay. out the Funeral Museum if you're ever in Houston. It's a very enjoyable time. <laughs> and their slogan is like, every day above ground is a good one. <laughs> I love it. So I would good. get that on a t-shirt. I think you can. I'm sure you could. I'm going to look into that for you. Okay. All right. So I'm recommending a book. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute since I've recommended a book. And I'm recommending this book because, well, one, I really enjoyed it. And two, it's not like books I've recommended in the past. So it is A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. So if you um, read YA, you might already have this author on your radar. I don't, so she hadn't been. But I've been watching a lot of BookTube lately, which is just people on YouTube talking about books. It's like beauty YouTubers only with books. And a lot of BookTubers read a lot of YA. So she came up and... um, 
the plots of the books that were described sounded interesting to me. So I picked up this one. This is not YA. So Victoria Schwab writes YA under, under her own name, Victoria Schwab. And then adult novels under the pseudonym V.E. Schwab. Okay. So this is one of her adult novels, and it's a part of a trilogy, uh, the Shades of Magic trilogy. So I finished the first one, and I'm like a quarter of the way through the second one. And I really, I'm like, I like the first one more than I'm liking the second one, but the second one's good too. Um, it's felt a little YA to me, I think mainly because the characters were a little young. Okay. And also it's a little Harry Potter-esque. So it's fantasy in the vein of Harry Potter. It's set in a okay. magical world. Um, Not this boring real world where ghost lights are just stupid headlights. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you want to get, lose yourself in an actual magical world, you could read this book. So I was never a Harry Potter fan. Not that I actively disliked it, but it's not a book that I was interested in. I wasn't obsessed. Samantha, are you willing to admit that to the world right now? There are people... Listen, we are, we've got some had some distance from Harry Potter. I feel like it's okay these days to admit that you... I'm, I'm not into it, are so not. it's fine. I, all my friends were, but I just... I think I, re- I read the first one, and I just wasn't motivated to read more. So I'm sa- I say that because I think you would like this book regardless of whether or not okay. you enjoyed Harry Potter um, or books like that. The premise is that it's a magical world and there's four alternate universes Hmm. and it's set in London. So there's black London, gray London, red London, and white London. And the people who can travel between the worlds are these magicians and only the royal families in each world are supposed to know about the existence of the different worlds. So one world has no magic in it. That would be gray London, which is kind of like our real life world. And then... Red London has a lot of magic, and I'm not going to give too much away about the others, because I think you just need to read the book, and that would be a little bit of a spoiler. But I really like it. The world building was really well done. Hmm. I thought that the magic was not cheesy or weird. I thought that it was, you know, believable is not the right word to say, but like just well done. The characters, I really enjoyed. There's a strong female character that I really like. She was kind of a spitfire, spunky girl. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I think people will like it. Uh, I'm going to read more. I didn't love the audiobook for the first one. Oh, okay. The narrator's not great. He, the voice he does for the female character made her sound way more young uh, than yeah. I think she actually was, which probably contributed to my feeling that it was a little more YA, because it does have a lot of adult themes and is at a higher reading level than YA, but I think he made her sound very young, which impacted my enjoyment of the book. Wait! Is this Red London? Yes. It was exactly like that, only a man doing it, which makes it sound oh God. weird. Um, so I would recommend reading the first book. The second one, though, has two narrators. There's a female narrator and a male narrator, and they're both really good, and I really like how that's done. Clearly, people were not too impressed with the first one. They yeah. got new people. Not yeah. really. Um, I'm going to continue to read the trilogy. I'll read the the rest of the second one and I'll read the third one. Um, she's written a lot of other, you know, both YA and adult novels. Interesting. So if you're into both of those genres, you might enjoy, might enjoy this author. Um, and yeah, that's about all I had. Ghost lights aren't real. Vampires did not exist in the old days. To my knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. Prove that they didn't. Yeah. It's hard to. Um, uh, fortunately, zombies aren't real. Yeah. I've watched The Walking Dead. That's a blessing. Yes, we don't want zombies. Oh. Uh, if you need an alias, maybe don't pick face. Yeah, that's terrible alias. Do we have any other Do we have any other takeaway moments from this episode? Uh, stay in Canada. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's about it. Uh, Should we plug our shit? So follow us on social media at Perhaps It's You, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have a paranormal experience or story you would like to share with us, that's Perhaps It's You podcast at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon if you feel so inclined. Patreon.com slash Perhaps It's You. You get a bonus episode every month. This month we're doing Mothman. Yes. We're going to watch something on Mothman. I'm really looking forward to it. Our episode about deadly women just went up. If you haven't I think it's a good episode. That one. I, we had a lot of fun doing it. So that's donations of any amount. Get you that bonus content. We're thinking about making some new Patreon rewards to yeah. be announced. So Oh, yeah. Thanks for everyone that pledged uh, after we said we were giving away a portrait of Robbie Stacky In beads. Yes. So this time, the first person to pledge more than a dollar will get a portrait of Robbie Stacky returning to his home planet because he hates Minnesota. Ooh, you're going to give that one away? Yes, I will. Because That's exciting. Because people seem into it. And we are coming up with some more Patreon rewards. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah. We want to give some more back to you guys who give to us. And um, I thought I had something else to say about Patreon, but I've, it's left my brain. Yeah. Our next one will be Mothman. We do have a couple tote bags left. If oh, you that's what order I wanted to those. mention. Your dad got us some special trinkets. Yeah. So we have some sort of luggage tags that we're going to put on the last few remaining tote bags. And that's the only way you can get those. They say perhaps it's you on one side and they have a photo of us <laughs> on the other side. Something you definitely want. If you recall back what episode? It was early on early in the podcast. On, we got some magnets for your dad, dad made us joke. some shutterfly magnets. Dad joke giveaway magnets. That we gave away. Your dad now did you even know that these were coming? No, they just arrived. They just showed up. These shutterfly luggage tags, which yeah, I have nowhere to write your address on it or your name. Look, they're just gonna be a cute little fob you can have on your cackling has to stop tote bag and I'll say perhaps it's yeah. you. Or you could put it on your luggage. And I it'll guess. have me, you, and Robbie Stacky. You could add your like address label. Go look on. I'll post a photo on Instagram. You can yeah. see what they look like and order. A, there's only a few tote bags left. If you order one, you will also get for this, while supplies last. This little luggage tag was. Some of you will get these luggage tags. Our faces on them. Uh, Thank only, you, Liz's dad. We They're, only have a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, I is that that's it? All we have. If you feel like giving us a five star review on iTunes or what was formerly known as iTunes or however that works, Apple Podcasts now. Yeah, we only accept five star reviews, and they, we love them. They warm our cold, stony hearts every yeah. time we see a five star review. So we love it when you say you're giving us five out of five Robert Stacks. Yes, it gets no matter how many people do it, it gets me every time. <laughs> that's how we know you're truly a mystery solver. Yes, it's if you're rating things out of Robert Stacks in your day to day life. Yep. This taco is five out of five rubber stacks. I had some tacos last night. I would say they were only three, three out of five rubber stacks. They were not great. That's a tragedy. It was a little bit sad. But also, someone brought tacos to my house, so can I really complain? Well, you know. You know. (laughs) All right, that's all we have for you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep on cackling. Bye. Bye.